and welcome to the Acolytes of Merlin. Today we'll be doing a little different episode than usual. Uh, so John is currently not here, um, and uh, and in, instead uh, someone else will be joining us. We'll have a guest. Hello there. My name's Brian. I'm one of Johnny's friends. Yeah. So we'll be talking about Star Wars today. Yes, we will be. Uh, just because I feel like it and absolutely so just for warning spoilers are basically everything star wars uh i mean i i there are some comics and some we haven't watched resistance yet but i would i would say between the two of us we've got pretty much everything yeah i mean i so some of the like expanded universe books i haven't read but we might use for conjecture but yeah basically this is your warning spoilers for pretty much anything star wars uh okay so we have a couple topics i kind of want to dive into um uh, i think we're we're not really going to talk about we're not really going to talk about individual movies or tv shows per se but there's a couple interesting topics i kind of want to get into so the first one is one of my favorites is the mystery of Sifo Diaz. And man, does Johnny love this one. We've had a few conversations about this. Yes. So the well, well first we're going to go through just what's presented in the movies, mostly Attack of the Clones and parts of Revenge of the Sith. And then um and then the Clone Wars. Yes. Well, well, well yeah, yeah. Well, the Clone Wars will go to after in the, at the end, yeah. Because then we'll kind of lay out... After that, we'll lay out all of what... Like, basically what actually happened with Sifo ds and the clone army. And then how it could have been done better in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it certainly could have been. <laughs> yes. Okay. Want to... Yeah, I'll... I'll, I'll lay out, or start laying out what's presented in... At least Attack of the Clones or Revenge of the Sith. So, for those of you that haven't watched the movies in a while, uh, just in in general, so the the context is so you, so it starts the worst movie in the series. So we start uh, with the worst movie in the series, <laughs> of course, right? Uh, well, I would argue the Phantom Menace is the worst movie in the series, but that that's beside that the point. Time. <laughs> um, so, uh, just for context, it's Attack of the Clones and. Uh, specifically, the scene that we're going to be talking about starts on Camino. Uh, Camino is the planet with all the water on it, and on Camino, there's a cloner facility. And at the cloner facility, uh, something's mentioned by the head cloner uh, that a, the, a clone army was uh, was authorized by the Senate uh, by site and was being followed up by a character. Named Sifo Diaz. Was it the Senate or did he specify the Senate? I forget if it's the Senate or the Council. I I believe it. I believe it was. It, it's the Council or the Senate. I so no, Coruscant by so, uh, by yeah. Coruscant by the government. Yeah. And uh, Sifo Diaz was the one that was following this clone army. He was specifically authorized to do so. But after that. You know, Sifo, uh, Obi-Wan says something along the lines of, Sifo Diaz died nearly 12 years ago, and the Republic hadn't heard anything about it since then. So this clone army was a something that just happened to drop into the hands of, of the Jedi and of the Senate, and, without anybody being aware of it. 
So, but in the movie, after that, it's sort of not really talked about, right? It's like this mystery, well, Sifo-Diaz, he he died, and then there's no real context and, to and, it. And in fact, it's almost kind of, did Sifo-Diaz actually exist? Like, was he a real person? Right. <laughs> and not, it, at least that's, uh, he was, but like, that's kind of... It, it, that is a question and not one that like we're meant to be asking <laughs> and just like everything in the first two movies of the prequels it seemed vague and with not a lot of context so yeah. it, you know it, it just left the, all the viewers rather confused on the subject uh, so so that's the first part of the Sifo Dios mystery starts an attack the clones and then in Revenge of the Sith I don't think it's mentioned at all it's not I mean the the main and I, I don't know if it's ex- the the only I mean the the only thing is that it, it, it's the punchline of, of of Revenge of the Sith is that this is the clone army that what we'll get into is that Sidious basically had created so that he could use to destroy the Jedi which he so that's basically his stipulation was he needed Order sixty six program so at when all his pieces were in the right places, he could turn on the Jedi. So, really, this actually is a huge deal. sifo should have been elaborated on in some in, in more of a context in the movies, but it, and we'll talk about that a little later, but it really was a huge deal. It had huge ramifications for the whole setup of the prequels and for the rest of the Star Wars universe. Yes. Okay, so, now getting more into... So, this is... Again, I don't. This is laying out as best as we can what actually happened with Sifo Diaz, and this is again. This is the so a lot of this is basically you. Ha- and this is the problem: is it's not like there's one definitive thing you can source you can go to and say this is what happened. You have to kind of piece it together between both Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, and like a lot of the stuff in the Clone Wars. Maybe a little bit in Rebels, not not really, but like yeah, but it's hinted at a little bit. Yeah, it's hinted at a little bit because like there are like uh, per the spoiler warning for like there are clones left in Rebels. So like it's it, it is, I mean he's was integral to the creation of the clones, so it's relevant. And if I remember correctly, they do mention something about Luminara and Dolly in the film, maybe in the first season. Uh, <sighs> yeah, I, I wouldn't. You probably might remember better than I. Would yeah, remember. and so. It's hinted at a bunch of times, but what actually happened, you have to piece it together. Um, yes. So, to the... And again, I also might botch this, <laughs> but basically, Sifo Diaz and Dooku, Correct. who is a Jedi, who's still a Jedi, or, or at least, he's yeah, he's a Jedi at the time. Yeah. Right? May he, or may... It's and again and per Plagueis a little bit the book Darth Plagueis it's when exactly Dooku turns is kind of early it's per what I know unclear and and remember he's never officially a Sith either no so, he is yeah Count, Count Dooku yeah Darth Tyrannus well Darth okay true. yeah he's he's Palpatine's apprentice yeah it, they, they never they in fact and in fact that's part of this discussion is that well we'll, we'll get to it because part of the discussion is the Jedi which is kind of dumb and weird but they don't connect that he's like Tyrannus yeah and um, and also I again so I yeah I totally forgot about that uh, but one thing's for sure is I don't think they do a very good job in the prequels really 
covering Dooku's full potential. Or, Absolutely not. <laughs> or or his even potential as a Sith. He almost seems more of a... I don't want to say fallen Jedi because that's a whole different can of worms, but it's kind of confusing on what he exactly is. And well, so, yes. I, Dooku's a can of worms in of its end of himself, but who we will partially get into because he is kind of integral. He is heavily he is. involved in this. But um, but anyway. Anyways, yeah, so Saibo Diaz and Dooku or Saibo Diaz basically go to create Kamino in order the creation of the clone army because I think it's Saibo Diaz, I think, has like a Dooku someone has a vision of like the the galaxy at war. I believe it's Dooku that or, has yeah. that vision. Um and that, which it partially contributes to why Dooku left the Jedi Order, uh, searching for something more, yes. right? Looking for because uh, at that point he was already recognizing the limitations of the Jedi, and and Sidious probably started sliding in there like around that time too. Uh, no, and, and he did, um, but actually initially he split off from the Jedi Order not as a Sith, but as just not a Jedi. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. So, similar to like almost well, the uh, the opposite direction is Ahsoka, but Correct. like a similar th- thing that ha- as what happens with her, probably. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah. So basically, they create the clone army. Remind me, do you remember exactly how the Pikes are involved? So, from what I understand, the Pikes, the Pikes are involved because they help with the the vision uh, that Dooku receives. Um, okay. And the the pikes are an interesting topic on all in itself because they're they're integral to how you, learning more about how the force works and uh, a lot of other things in the expanded universe. Um, but the one thing about Sifo Dios and the relationship with Dooku is in the reason why they're, they're, the clone army is authorized is that the clone army is a toll for Palpatine um, to overthrow the Republic. And at, at this point, Dooku and Saifo Dios sort of understand what's going on, but they don't see how it's all interconnected. They're just sort of, they're sort of directed to do a certain thing and they do it. Um, now see... Wait, okay, sorry. This, I, 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 I was lazy and I, I'm just going to... I went on the Jedi Council forums just to get like the so we're not totally watching this. Okay, for the blockade in Naboo, Sifo Dias. Okay, so he was Sifo Dias was removed from the Jedi Council because of his ideas being extreme. He warned the Council that he foresaw great conflict and that the Republic would need to protect itself. Uh, so before any of the events of the, events of the Phantom Menace. Chancellor Valorum sent Sifo Diaz to Obadiah to negotiate a treaty with the Pike Syndicate. The mission was secret. The Council didn't know about it uh, because they didn't. Yeah, they didn't know about it. Valorum's aide Silman went with Sifo Diaz to Obadiah to negotiate with the Pikes. But once Sifo Diaz and Silman were on Obadiah, the, the Pike negotiations were postponed. As Saifo Diaz was ordered by the council to Felucia, where where he was sent to subdue, like to deal with an issue that came up on Felucia, uh, so Saifo Diaz and Sulman leave Obadiah to go to Felucia, and their sh- and the Pike Syndicate shoots down their ship. So this is where Dooku comes in. Tyrannus had shot had paid the Pikes to kill Saifo Diaz, uh, so there's. 
Shipland, um, and several years is dead, but someone's still alive. Uh, Which is also covered in the Clone Wars in one of the one of the episodes at the very end. Yes, uh, the ship you get to see the ship that shot down. Um, you also get to see where Sifo Dias, his, I don't want to say his remains, but where, where they would be, where they would be. And they, the big thing in the Clone Wars was, you know, how, how there, there's a weird aura around the ship, uh, and they were trying to investigate about it, but it kind of was a dead end. Um, Yeah. And this is, and what's, well, this act that actually leads in, and this leads into my, probably my favorite Anakin and Obi-Wan team-up fight because basically throughout this investigation Dooku like somehow finds out that they're there and he goes and tries to stop them <laughs> but it's, um, su- it's such an interesting concept also because it really for me illustrates the power of even relics right yes. so, so we see in the Clone Wars or, or the beginning of Rebels uh, the remains of Luminara and Doli are being used to attract Je- actually so it's in, it is in the beginning of Rebels yeah it's in the Lum- first season I it's think, in the first yeah. season and so uh, spoiler alert again i mean if you haven't seen rebels then tune out but luminara and Doli in the first season her remains are used to attract people to uh jedi to that area so that um so that uh vader palpatine and inquisitors the inquisitors whoever can uh, track them down and kill them um it, it, so that's yet another example of how the force can be used in so Deception, many yeah so many different ways you know yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, and this is all from, a lot of this is information, like I'm reading it from Jedi Council forums, but they're citing the Clone Wars, which would be this arc from Season 6. Um, so, okay, yeah, so... Yeah, so the Pikes give Tyrannus Sifo-Dyas' body, uh, and they, but they don't tell Sifo-Dyas about Silman, and they put him in prison uh, as, like, insurance. So Tyrannus delivers Sifo Diaz to Felucia. His body gets burned, and they and no one knows how he died, or is told how he died. Uh, and this is all. So this is all technically still prior to Phantom Menace, but while Valorum is Chancellor of the Republic, or, or at least, or like you said, like very close to the beginning of the Phantom Menace. So now Attack of the Clones, Obi-Wan, going back to what Brian was saying about what happens in the movies, Brian's on, er, Obi-Wan's on Kamino. Brian did not go to Kamino. I would love to be on Kamino. (laughs) Brian, Brian, it is a really cool planet. Um, (laughs) I've only played on on Battlefront. Yes, yeah, I... (laughs) The, which the map on Battlefront is really, really. It just looks phenomenal. Oh, and not just um, uh, not just in the uh, original Battlefront. The, like, oh, it, yeah, and, Camino and the, looks a brilliant. Oh, on it, the new yeah, one. in the new one. I mean, we can. That's a whole different conversation. The Battlefront games, but it's just that it looks just incredible. Um, but yeah, so the clone. Yeah, basically, and then everything transpires that Brian said that. Obi-Wan's on Kamino. The cloners say that Sifo Diaz ordered the creation of the clone army, and he's been dead almost 10 years. Uh, and, but that Obi-Wan does find out, uh, and so uh, then Obi-Wan find, is looking for who, well, who's the source of the clones, and so he finds out that a man named Tyrannus recruited Jango Fett to be the, that template. 
And so the confusing thing about all of this, though, is we just gave you all this backstory from the Jedi Forums website, right? Yeah. And the ridiculous thing is, it, none of this is real. You have to patch this together, and it doesn't. They, they, it wasn't illustrated. No. Well, and, and even in the Clone Wars arc, it's brilliant, but it's still not spelled out. No, like, it, which yeah, is like it's, partially because of the restraints on the number of seasons. And, right, and, and part and, and part of this mis. Part of them, it, it is cool that it is a mystery, but like that is part of the draw that it is a really interesting mystery to piece together. But it, it's also just poor storytelling, and, and partially uh, because of how George Lucas made the prequels. Well, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Just poor, yeah. The poor that's the poor storytelling. Um, yeah. So at this point, in Attack of the Clones, they find out that he. Well, the audience or whoever knows that Dugu's Tyrannus, but the Jedi don't. And, and honestly, that, the viewers don't either at this point. So. No, well, they because no, because the scene at the end of Attack of the Clones, like Sidious, like when he's talking, he literally calls him like Lord Tyrannus. Yeah, and so uh, and that's and that's valid, but I I still think that the fact that he's a Sith is very poorly illustrated. Yes, no, I, I I agree. He he isn't treated the same way that say like Darth Maul or like Vader are in terms of being a Sith. Um. I mean, they do recognize that he is, though, because Palpatine makes no, that he, one remark before they fight him in under the Sith. Like, he's a Sith Lord. But they don't know his... Sith, well, well, this is actually a continuity problem, because... Or no, 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 I guess they don't call him Tyrannus in the movie, so it doesn't matter. But, like, it's not until that arc in the Clone Wars on uh, Obadiah with the Pikes where they refer to him as Tyrannus, and Obi-Wan's like, oh, you're the man called Tyrannus? And Dooku's like, oh, I told you this on or, uh, Geonosis, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's not really... Like, the Jedi Council doesn't know he's Darth Tyrannus, and yeah, again, not really spelled out clearly. Um, so, it really, what this comes down to, and why the mystery's so, so brilliant and so frustrating at the same time for me, is that... You know, we're sitting here, two people I would consider very fluent in Star Wars lore, and we're still having to talk about why is this significant and how was it done. Yeah, it's funny. Even some of these, oh, this is from years ago. Some of these comments are from years ago, but some, even some, even some of the comments are like, people are confused that Dooku is not Tyrannic. Or, oh, no, that no, the Dooku is not Sifo Diaz. Um, so, Johnny, how do you think. This could have been better done. So, well, part of this is part of this goes to the larger discussion of how the prequels should have been restructured, and I ultimately I kind of think that the prequels should have just been the Clone Wars. And if you really want to do some of the Phantom Menace stuff with Anakin as a kid, you can do flashbacks. But and but um, on record, I, I I mean I agree. The the um. You well, number one, you you need to show. See, I'll, I'll, the thing is, a lot of this is just exposition, and it's stuff that we don't see. So, unless you showed like a flashback of Dooku like orchestrating all this stuff for Sidious, it, 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 it's it's di- like you, you would need to have s- bits of exposition dumps spread throughout, or or like or obviously even better show like flashbacks or show. 
I think scenes I, of some of, of these some of these events happening throughout. And I think that's what Dave Filoni was trying to do in the Clone Wars was he was trying to fill <laughs> yes. in a gap. But unfortunately, I think what all it really did was for Star Wars fanatics, it gave a little bit more of a backstory. But for the most part, it was just you know it was like some of the other random arcs in the Clone Wars at points. It seemed. It, it sometimes didn't feel flushed out, and that's as much as I love the Clone Wars. Now, you know, some of that in particular is like they got cut short, right? But yes, agreed. That yeah. Now the, the difference is a lot of the arcs in the Clone Wars don't necessarily have to be total. Like a, a lot of them aren't as like this is in, this is that this is intricately tied to like plot points in the prequels that are not explained in the movies. Whereas a lot of the arcs in the Clone Wars. They happen and are resolved either in the Clone Wars or Rebels, or there there's a resolution such that they, like an explanation for why certain things are not in the movies, at least continuity wise. Actually, and one thing that I actually really enjoyed about Rebels was there was a few a few moments where for for Rebels has its issues, but one thing that I was really stoked about in Rebels was. How uh, they tied in the Inquisitors, you know? So Inquisitors were a nice touch because all yes. of us always wondered, well, how did they track down the remaining Jedi? Yes, you know, and the Inquis- which, which it is believable that like Vader and a bunch of stormtroopers did it. It is believable, but it is, but it does make sense that like you know there would be other Force users and they wouldn't and like. The Emperor would basically, or, or Vader would basically want a monopoly on those Force users. Right, and you if, know. If they weren't trying to kill them. And so, you know, Rebels and the Clone Wars, for the most part, do a really good job filling in the gaps, but but for me, you know, this Sifo Dyas mystery, for as integral as it is for for the whole for the whole trajectory of the whole st- Luke Skywalker, um, Luke Skywalker, Anakin Skywalker uh, storyline, uh, they. They make it too scattered, and they, you know, they don't fill in enough gaps and throughout all these shows for for me to really feel like it's a satisfying coverage of the topic. Well, because it's it's because it's not, and that's and again part of the fun is kind of piecing it together, but that's also fun for like Star Wars super geeks like us. <laughs> uh, as it, but like so, like for something that's this important to the series, I mean, ultimately this is how. The, how Palpatine gets his army to destroy the Jedi, like that—that's that's, it's an integral. Yeah, like like it, that's one of the, that's like a pretty big plot point of like how does he wipe out the entire Jedi Order? Well, old, I mean, he's he, well, he's super brilliant and manipulative, but like as far as some, you need some way to physically kill or destroy the Jedi. This is it. <laughs> and I think the Phantom Menace for me, and this and this I think really gets to the crux of it. So I think my personal opinion is the Phantom Menace is the weakest of the Star Wars movies, and that's we could sure, debate that forever. But why, but why would you? Or what's but, your... but my thing is, yeah. I think in the Phantom Menace, I would have really liked to see a little bit of Sifo Dyas, right? And so I, instead of covering this whole trade dispute <sighs> crap, which is interesting and useful, however done poorly. Well, and you know what? So I mean, Plagueis isn't strictly canon, but most of it hasn't been contradicted yet. <laughs> but, but, like, they go into, like, the, the they show a lot of the stuff from Palpatine's point of view for the trade negotiations. And some of it's really interesting how he's basically making all these backroom deals to, like, make all... to, like, keep his plan moving. 
But, like, obviously we're not going to get any of that because, like, he wants that, like, any Sidious reveals or points of view to be until after the reveal that Palpatine's Sidious. But, like... Uh, so some some background story on Saifedias with that being in mind. Now I haven't personally read the whole Darth Plagueis thing. That's Johnny's gig, but it's been a little while. But yeah, and I think I'm pretty. I'm ninety like nine percent sure that Saifedias and Dooku are in at least a couple scenes in Plagueis. Because I'm pretty sure like part like Palpatine's even like scoping like might be like scoping out Dooku like low key. And you know it's so funny. That sounds super engaging to me, and yet we're stuck with the Phantom Menace trade negotiations that have no context. Well, the the, the reason the Phantom Menace is a bad again this the, well this whole episode's tangents. So the, the yeah. reason the Phantom Menace is a bad movie is because what is it about? Is it about Anakin? Because you don't. And I, I, I part of this I read in articles a while ago, and part of it. But me and Johnny have also talked a lot about. This yeah, it's ourselves. like yeah, it's like the. It's is it about Anakin? Well, you don't meet him until halfway through the movie. Is it about Obi Wan? Well, he's not in it for the whole Tatooine section, and he doesn't have like that much of an arc. Is it about Qui Gon? He you can make a strong argument for Qui Gon. Qui Gon is in it the most, but he doesn't really have an arc. Like, he, he's more... Qui-Gon basically facilitates, like, the rest of the main characters. Like, pa- but, being Padme and Anakin and Obi-Wan. And yet he's central to... And has arguably some of the most screen time of the entire movie. Well, yeah. I, which is... Sh- just in fact, no he, he, he probably has the most. If I, like... Just because he... There's the... The other, like, three main characters we listed, Anakin, Padme, and Obi-Wan, have taught, have significant time where they're not on, have significant enough time where they're not on screen. Yeah, and so, you know, instead of having this whole debacle, the Phantom Menace, for me, you know, seeing more about this Sifo-Dyas, Dooku interactions, not from the point of view of Palpatine, but from the point of the of, Jedi, yeah. of the Jedi, they don't have to reveal anything. Right from no, well, you, no, because you could just do, you could still do like a lot of the, you could just show the mystery parts of it about him dying, and well, well or you could just show like Sifo Diaz point of view, but like not show like the Dooku stuff, yeah, and you the could, Tyrannus stuff, yeah, and, and you could easily link it in with trade negotiations. You could have easily linked it to a, a little bit trickier, but 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 yes, but but you know if it was done properly and George Lucas had not been directing every single little bit of the movie, then which is another yeah, discussion. that's all, yeah, that's the the, the biggest uh, hot, larger. Like nutshell opinion of George Lucas for me is that he's absolutely brilliant at like world building and larger themes and like bigger picture stuff, but he can't write or direct. Like he's just bad. He's bad at writing dialogue, and he because even like the best like Jedi and uh, Empire are largely written by like Lawrence Kasdan yep. and like Irvin Kirshner were like involved in that and stuff, but um. It's also one of the reasons why uh, me and Johnny have talked about this. You just can't make a comparison between, for as much backlash as the sequels have gotten, you just cannot make a comparison from the quality of movie perspective between episodes one and two and the sequels. Yes, I totally agree. We're also not, that, that is also a several hour, that is a long can of worms that I don't want to totally go down. Okay, so. <laughs> but if, I agree. Let, let's get back to Psycho All right, Ideas. so I don't, I think we've really covered, yeah, I, 
but yeah, basically, yeah, like you could still do an like episode one that takes place like ten years or so. Before, if you really want that, like to see Anakin as a kid or something, you can still do that and show some of the Sifo Diaz Clone Wars stuff. Uh, or like you said, if you did just if the sequel trilogy was just the Clone Wars, then you could have. Um, well, you, that, 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 then you could do like you could. You could you could you could even start like episode one. What would that what would then be episode one with like Sifo Diaz basically ordering the creation of the Clone Wars and then like the that kind of prologue so to speak could end with a ship getting shot down and then you'd like skip like ten years until like Anakin and Obi Wan are in a uh, space battle or something. Well, huh? even like, even a movie like The Lord of the Rings right does that on a much smaller scale, starting right, right, yeah. right off in the Fellowship of the Ring right. You start off with seeing how Gollum, uh, or is it the beginning of the Two Towers? I well, think. the the Return of the King movie has kind of spoilers for Lord of the Rings, but the Return of the King movie, I'm not going to spoil anything huge, but the Return of the King movie has the Gollum uh, origins, prologue, almost origins, like, and then the Fellowship has like the bigger picture. This is the story of the Ring prologue, and so in my opinion, Star Wars could have done something like that, and with the Phantom Menace, yes, now uh, on, a, on a different scale, and, and it'd be different because he wanted to. Now the tricky thing is he wanted to follow certain conventions, like the opening crawl, and he wanted there to be certain conventions, like, like Jar Jar, that. certain conventions yes, that are yeah, extremely right. important, yes. Great plot. I, I not even. Gonna, I have nothing to say on George R. Other than like terrible character, but uh, <laughs> oh, the, oh, anyways, yeah, I, yeah, there's basically and, and basically with the Cypher DS stuff, it could have been on much. You you actually give more of an explanation or show more of it. Uh, I want to touch on Dooku real quick as a side tangent. Absolutely, so of, I mean this is all um, about the tangent, you know. But uh, but just go um, and this will tie into probably this is actually kind of tie into the other topic we're going to talk about. But um, that he is he's poor, he's not he's done a disservice in the movies because he's really is a great villain, but he's not a good villain. In, but he is not a good villain in the movies. No, he is because not because you meet him like halfway through Attack of the Clones, and he doesn't really do a lot. He kind of talks to Obi Wan and talks to that council, and then he's there for the for the execution scene, and then he leaves, and then they have a lightsaber fight. Which is kind of why that I think the Attack of the Clones lightsaber fights are the weakest in the series because I some parts of them look cool, but I just I don't care because I don't feel like I don't care about Dooku as a villain much. And well, he doesn't. The problem is, for me, he didn't. You know how in Star Wars a lot of a lot of the villains feel like villains. For the classic example being Vader. Yeah, he's Vader's the, the, yeah. the pro, he's the archetypical like villain yes right now for count dooku he doesn't have much backstory right so we don't understand why he's supposed to be a villain well and and there is kind of that mini bombshell that he drops to obi-wan about like reference about qui-gon being like 
or him training Qui-Gon, and you're like, wait, I want to know about that, and then they just never touch it again in the movies. No, no, one <laughs> thing I did like about Dooku, and the only thing I think I liked about Dooku in the movies, yeah, specifically, we're, we're, not in the we'll, Clone Wars. Yes, we'll get to that in a second. In, yeah. in the movies was the, the interaction between Dooku and Obi-Wan, uh, where Obi-Wan was tied up in a force yes, field. That, and that is a really good interaction. And But it's his only good interaction, for the most part, right. for me. Um, I, yeah. And, you know, I love that scene because Dooku actually fleshes out sort of what what's going on behind the scenes. And Obi-Wan actually makes the critical error, right, of not believing him, which is understandable. Yes, but, right, which makes sense because Dooku claims, what if I, it's like, he literally says, what if I told you that, that like, Republic was under the, like, guise or the shadow of a dark lord of the Sith? And Obi-Wan's like, that's preposterous that I would be aware for it, or aware of it. And it, it's such a great interaction, though, because unlike the rest of the Attack of the Clones, it actually fleshes out something of use of Dooku, right? It, it, ta- it points out why Dooku has a certain role for me. And then he also, uh, the interaction's great because it also it gives a little bit of character depth. And for us, as you know, being invested in Obi-Wan, uh, it gives a little bit more depth about why Dooku's relevant. Yes, yeah, yeah. And then, the, and again, lightsaber fights are fine. And then you meet him and jump to Revenge of the Sith, and the first scene you meet him and he dies, and all he does is, I mean, I love the, some of his dialogue. Well, his, di- his dialogue's more memeable than anything that, else. Well, that's, well, okay, and I was about to say, with the dialogue in the prequels, I quote the prequels almost more than the original trilogy, but the problem is, is I don't know if it's because they're great quotes, or, or I don't know if it's just really bad writing that just sounds funny, or if they actually are great quotes. I think it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah, that, I, like, I, I think that, it's... That, that, that a lot of them are, like you said, really memeable quotes or funny or kind of cool quotes, but like probably just not good writing. Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> but... I, I completely agree. But uh, anyways, so, so do, yeah, Dooku's not really fleshed out, right? He's more of a, he's more of, he doesn't feel like a villain to me. He feels more of a character that happens to be on the other side yep. of your, of your protagonist. And yep. you, you see that in other poor genres of, you know, not genres, uh, poor films, right? And when you don't have an emotional investment behind your villain, it's really difficult well, to, yeah, and that well, that's what makes Vader so great is that the very first scene you meet him, he walks in with these stormtroopers, kills all the rebels, chokes out a dude, threatens our like one of our main characters, like Leia, takes her prisoner, and like just kind of completely just like just destroys all. Yeah, like he like that, and that's the first scene you meet him in. Um, but and, 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 and now, well, and throughout all of A New Hope. He's he Vader's a very like proactive villain. Like he's doing things. Well, Tarkin's. I guess you get more a lot of Tarkin in a New Hope, and he's he's more the actual antagonist of a New Hope. Which but. I've so that's a that's a whole nother tangent. But in short, I mean. Tarkin, in my opinion, is one of the most underrated villains in the Star Wars universe, and there's a reason why I feel that way. Um, he, he is great, but... But the reason why I think he's one of the most underrated is because Darth Vader is the actual clear villain in, in throughout all of the original trilogy, and yet, he's actually not the... He's not, as far as military rank goes... Vader doesn't have a rank. No, he's, right? he's, he's basically, he's, it's kind of understated 
understood that he's basically second in command of the empire, but but he's type, not on the yeah, military. Right? Structure. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Like he, but yeah, he's on. He's basically Palpatine's attack dogs. I mean, he's a super. He has a lot of authority, but like, yeah, he's not like technically Tarkin outranks him. And but like straight up in a New Hope, Tarkin. Vader ends up listening to Tarkin. Yes. Right? Right, because Tarkin outranks him. Yeah, and it's... also, uh, spoiler for Tarkin the novel, um, Tarkin is actually one of the most, through the novel, becomes one of the most intricately evil characters in the entire Star Wars universe. And it's because he's not, he's kind of similar to Thrawn in that but he's he, calculating. He's and... calculating, but unlike Thrawn, in my opinion, he's not just calculating. He's all. He's also evil, right? And it, like Thrawn is evil because he does whatever it takes to get the job done, right? And that's part of the game for him. Well, I, well, well, well. With Thrawn, there's the whole thing of like he sees it all as like art. Like battle is all art to him, and he just kind of enjoys the art of beating. Like it's kind of like he just gets. It's like it's all about. It's like the art of like battle and the beauty of like out manipulating people whereas Tarkin's like it's just a very utilitarian he's like. very utilitarian and on top of all of that his constant disregard for human life is it really illustrated well actually in well, New Hope and, and, well that well and in Rogue One the same like when he orders the well he does the same thing in both movies he orders the Death Star to uh, well, destroy it, an entire planet. Well, well, and in well, in, in Rogue One, it's it's an entire base full of Empire troops. <laughs> yeah, and so it's <laughs> and one of the things I love about Tarkin the most is there is no remorse, right? So unlike a lot of the other characters in the Star Wars universe that have this redemption arc, right? yeah, yeah, like, and I'm not saying that is a bad thing. But Tarkin does not. Which I all. like. No, well, I mean, the, the two biggest examples of that are the biggest ones, Alderaan, Leia's, like, you just destroyed my planet. And he's like, well, maybe you'll talk now. Yeah. He, like, uh, uh, it, and then... It's irrelevant. Yeah, and then, like, in Rogue One, he's, like, he, he sees that stuff's about to, like, going not well for that, like, the way that he wants it to. And he's like, nope, blow up the base. Like, we need, like, that, they need to go blow up the base. Like, Krennic failed. Too bad for him. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, and Tarkin's also talked about, I, I know this is a bit off on a tangent, but you, if you're listening at this point. Yeah, I was say, you, if you're still listening by now. If, if you're still listening <laughs> by now, you're. ramble about Star Wars. We're, we're, we started on Dooku. We're, we're still on villains, but, and we'll circle back to Dooku. But go ahead. <laughs> but what I was going to say about Tarkin is his uh, in the Clone Wars. One of my favorite things that Dave Filoni did was he introduced Tarkin as on the Republic side. Yes, well, this is the episode with Anakin. Well, I know that Anakin's like in that several episodes. episodes. Yeah, yeah. Or, or just, just it's the yeah. whole arc when they go to rescue uh, what's his name, the uh, Jedi Master, the the short Jedi Master with that. Eye that he doesn't have an eye. It's like totally out. Uh, I know who I, 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 I. He's on the council. I can picture who you're saying, but I don't know who it is. Um. Well, we could, we should look that up. I'll, I'll look. Well, yeah. do you, you have your phone up. Uh, your yeah. You have your laptop up. Yeah. Right now. Uh. But uh, he. The reason why I like what Dave Filoni did with Tarkin is that even in the Clone Wars, Tarkin is a totally different breed from a lot of these other Republican grunts, right? Not Republican. Uh, <laughs> Republic. Oh, my, this is... My, this is... Well... Not, this is not a political podcast, and there's uh, no... Yeah, no, there's no political <laughs> bias here. But what, yeah. what I'm saying is uh, the Republic grunts, you know, a lot of the times they're... 
they're they're sympathetic towards things, right? You uh, they they show mercy. You know, Tarkin. You see in those those episodes when they're rescuing the Jedi Master with Anakin, the interactions between the two. Tarkin gets Anakin, right? And that link is there from the start. And in the novel Tarkin. Tarkin has a pretty good idea. Oh yeah, the he, of who he, Vader he is. He has a yeah. pretty good idea of who Vader is, you know. And so, yeah, you know, Tarkin for me is one of the most underrated villains because of that. His, his, the, the shocking amount of evil that comes out of him with no redemption arc is the coolest thing for me. But anyway, to wrap this back around to to Dooku, uh, I, I, I've been. P.L. Yeah, P.L. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, Evan P.L. Yeah, Evan P.L.'s the Jedi Master. And uh, just that uh, Tarkin and Anakin rescuing the Clone Wars. But to wrap this all up back to Dooku and how that relates to Sifo Diaz, you know, think about all the things we just talked about right now and how this could have been so much better done in the prequels. Well, and we also, like, so go, real quick, to, I, I do want to move on to the other topics we have running, not short on time, but anyway, so... With Dugu in the Clone Wars, you see a lot of him, and you see a lot of him being a ruthless Sith, and it's awesome. Uh, he there's several arcs with him and his both of his kind of secret apprentices, Savage Ventress and Savage. Well, Savage is super interesting, but Savage does start as like Dugu's like we- like he wants a we- like he wants another weapon, yeah, from the Night Sister or the from Dathomir, yes, um, and so. Like he's really ruthless and really cunning, and he's also like a, he's also a really good like, and you you really see his like dueling style, the way they animate it even more. Uh, it was super. Yeah, well yeah. So there's just a lot of really cool interactions. He gets to, he fights a lot, which is cool. He also he also has a lot of really cool interactions. Like the, the Savage arc in particular, when he's training Savage, is what I'm thinking of. Oh yeah, like just because he basically is just beating down Savage, this Knight Brother, I think is what like the yeah. the the male people on Dathomir. He's just beating because he's trying to craft him to weapon. He's just beating him down ruthlessly, like for his training. Um, it's such, it just really illustrates how Dooku and, and Darth Maul and these characters in the Clone Wars. For me, it just illustrates how how intricate and evil these characters actually are. Now, like, do, now Dooku I, is a little, is, is is interesting because they like you, you see this side, but then you still get some of his uh, the side you see in like in the scene with Obi-Wan and Attack of the Clones. And what's fascinating about Dooku to me is that both of the, like, he, that they're both, it's the same character, but like, it makes sense that it's the same character because I mean, I, that he, he's like, he, he's for him, it's Dooku. A lot, a lot of it's like almost logic of like, well, this is this, like this dark side is just more powerful and I'm just going to, the dark side is more powerful. I can quickly gain more power. There's no way the Republic's gonna like beat Sidious. He's too Absolutely. smart. He's too good. Uh, I'm not gonna if if I if I don't join him, he's probably gonna eventually kill me. I mean, I, he's Dugu never Ironic, says. Ironic, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> but Dugu never says any of this explicitly, but it's 
I think a pretty good guess. Um, it, it, I also think it's kind of clear throughout. Uh, you you also start to see a transition, uh, in my opinion, of how Dooku starts off as big man in the beginning of the Clone Wars, right? Yes. And by the end, he almost looks vulnerable. You oh yeah, yeah. Anakin almost kills him actually at one point. Uh, yes, where Palpatine's watching. You know, and uh, he comes close. Now, it didn't turn out that way, obviously, because he dies in Revenge of the Sith. But that's another thing. The Clone Wars does so much better than the prequels, is you see these transitioning characters uh, from one thing to the other. For for Anakin, from just a Jedi, basically, learning the craft, to he's looking kind of dark. Yeah, so let's, like... All right, so anything else on Dooku? Uh, No. So let's finish. So the other topic we want to talk about today, tonight, is... So Anakin's good segue. Anakin's kind of portrayal, and this is a totally big, intentional, by the way. That segue, yes, completely intentional. Uh, very. This is a, a. It's a broad topic, but we'll try and slim it down a little bit. So, or be somewhat specific, and we're probably going to go over time wise, but that's fine. Um, so Anakin's portrayal in the prequels compared to the Clone Wars. Uh, we're just going to focus on. And I guess we can use I guess we can use rebels, although obviously he's not Vader's not really in it that much. But basically, the high level is that in the prequels, if you've seen it, he's mostly a whiny. He's mostly just this whiny person that like like gets the worst romance arc maybe ever on screen. It, it's bad. Uh, like it's really I, bad. Yeah, it's bad. Um, not not to say there isn't a redeeming scene or two throughout the first. Or, for, don't don't interpret this as us saying there isn't positive moments in Phantom Menace or Attack. No, 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 no. I no, and, and like I said, that's why I wanted to make these more about these specific topics because I yeah I have a lot of thoughts about those movies and they're not and they are not all negative. Um, but but in, in general, Anakin is n- it just seems like a whiny brat. Yeah, and and until the uh, and that most of all, pretty much all is all of Attack of the Clones, which does it, to an extent it it makes sense that he would be somewhat like somewhat cocky and somewhat um, so, and, and somewhat insecure about some of this stuff. But the way that it handles is he just kind of whines to everyone about everything without any kind of self-reflection. The the prime the prime yeah. example of that being when he's whining on uh in tattooing in the shop. In in the shop, I, I actually kinda like that scene. But what I was thinking about was on Naboo when he's whining uh to Padme about how Obi-Wan you know, it's almost he's more powerful than Obi-Wan. He's going on this big rant. I, okay. I thought I think I thought that was in the shop. No, no, no. Oh, like before, mind. so before, and while Padme's uh, packing, uh, and there's this big window on the backdrop. Oh, and, and yeah, yeah. Okay. Anakin goes on this huge tangent about Obi Wan and how he's more powerful, and you, you you don't get the sense that he's about to become Darth Vader. You know, you get more of this. No. You get more of the sense it's... that this guy just doesn't really understand the point of or the essence of what Anakin Skywalker is supposed to be. Right, and I would say the next scene with that for me would be after he comes back from killing all the Tusken Raiders, which is a great scene. Which, which is which is a, which objectively, is, yeah, which which is a great scene. Uh, uh, Mostly the beginning part where he with, goes off on a speeder bike through. That, that's visually cool. It, it is like it is a 
like I do like the moment with Shmi and the, the after the actress's name, but she really sells that. She really does, uh, and, and Anakin does okay. Yeah, no, role, yeah, too. and Hidden as a whole, Hidden Christensen is not bad. Anakin, it's I wouldn't say he's always. Bad. I think it's a writing issue. I actually like Hayden. Uh, I think he's mediocre in Attack of the Clones and mediocre, average to good in Revenge of the Sith. Duh, particularly a, with the dark side. Yeah, when he's allowed to be Vader. But, uh, yeah, so, but the scene in the shop after the Tusken Vaders, he goes back and he's like, well, Obi-Wan doesn't trust me. And, like, the, like, the Count, like, he's holding me back. And the way, but the way that he says it, it just sounds like he's, like, whiny. And it's, like, you've been with, and my thought is, you've been with him for, like, they, they've been Master and Apprentice for 10 years now. You would have thought, and, you would have thought that at least some of that would have been worked out. And maybe part of it is is that, like, as Anakin's coming more into his potential, that that's when more of these thoughts are, like, arising, which would be a fair argument. But the scene just comes across as, like, he, in that scene, he just comes across as whiny. He does come across as whiny. And so, unfortunately, in the, in episode two and episode one, you can see what George Lucas was going for. Yes. But the, the execution and his ability to act as a um, executive director, producer, all the roles that he played, you know, he doesn't, he's not able, he wasn't able to translate what his vision was onto the screen. Uh, like Lawrence Kasdan did in Empire Strikes Back. Yes. You know, he took George Lucas's vision and translated it to what it was going to be on the screen. That's a huge deal. He yeah. didn't do that because uh, he took entire he took entire ownership over the prequels. But yeah, yeah. He, he George Lucas is the end all be all of every part of the prequels. Um, and yeah, now going going to the Sith, you do get what I think is the only really good scene we get in the movies of Obi-Wan and Anakin like working together in the opening of the, the space fight in the one of the best of scenes in all of Star Wars honestly well I wouldn't I wouldn't say that oh I, I think it's that good D- I, just because there's so many other good scenes but no like, but, but for me the reason why it's so important is you see that dynamic between Anakin and Obi-Wan yes. at its peak yes no uh, agreed yeah and I'm not saying yeah and that's like the best version and we'll get into this like a couple of minutes but like th- that's the dynamic that they n- nail in the clone wars and and yes obviously like it's like i don't expect like i like i was saying i don't expect anakin to be like that like in all of attack of the clones but like more so than he was like you'd expect him to be at least a little more mature by now yeah and in the clone wars there's just some amazing examples of obi-wan and anakin working together one that really sticks out to me is there's a there's a scene when Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Ahsoka are having to work with slavers. And, yes. And he call and as soon as he finds out that this these Zygerians, I believe is what they're I, called. I the, I Zygerian the aliens, he, yeah. he freaks out, he he destroys he destroys this uh hologram projector and says, Zygerian scum, I'll deal with them slavers. Right? And you see the dynamic between Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka. And you see that dynamic. Wait, how did Obi Wan? How did they react to that? Obi, so Obi Wan. Forget that. Obi Wan was not happy with that uh, dynamic, with that comment, obviously because it's fueled by anger. Well, which is another. God, sorry. But but and but then they didn't just stop there. They then show how Obi Wan, how Ahsoka and Obi Wan interact mean about Anakin. Right? They explain the dynamic. 
from Obi-Wan to, uh, to Ahsoka that uh, Anakin has with slavers, right? And so, yes. And so that explanation of the dynamics is really, really cool to see. And I think something that the Clone Wars does really well. And they don't give any of that dynamic, which obviously is more difficult in a movie, but they do not show any of that dynamic for the most part, except in Revenge of the Sith. No, I don't think it's more difficult in the movie. I I think that it's total, like, they did it in the one scene. It just, dude, more of that. It's all, uh, I, 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 I mean, I'm not trying to trash your point. I'm just saying that, like, it's, No, Johnny's right. I'm just saying they could have easily done it with better writing in the movie. Johnny's Um, right. He also, he also knows more about all this stuff than I do. uh, I don't know. It's a pretty, even in general, he, he has a better understanding but, of of the genre than I yeah. do, but and of storylines and how that all intertwines. Maybe a tad, but anyways, go not on. a tad, a lot. But oh. anyway, moving moving on, I I do think that you know the dynamic in the Clone Wars is just you know totally sold. We also see different dynamics when he goes to uh, what is that planet called? The four, about oh, the Mortis. Four. When he goes yes. to Mortis, you see this really interesting dynamic between. Anakin and Obi-Wan and how they uh and how Obi-Wan views Anakin how Anakin views Obi-Wan and how they all interact together and uh, along with Anakin's transition to the dark briefly and then back to the light I guess you could say um and how Obi-Wan deals with that right uh it's a really interesting dynamic something again they did not we just didn't see in the first no and, and and in fact going so Focusing in on basically on just Anakin and a little bit for the Clone Wars that for a minute that the this you see that bat so what George Lucas is going for in the prequels is he wants to show the, like the rise and like fall in particular fall of Anakin yes obviously the redemptions like the next that's the whole like ultimate endpoint of the original trilogy but he wants to show like the rise and the fall and so we you you want to see a natural transition from this 10 year old kid that you see in Phantom Menace to the like to Hayden Christensen which is in one of, what is one of my favorite images at least just visually staring out with the yellow Sith eye on Mustafar after having killed like the entire Separatist Council like that, you are supposed to transition between those two points in three movies. Yes, in some sort of believable, more at least more believable way than he did. Uh, and with some of the Clone Wars, really nails some of that balance where you really see some of those dark moments where Anakin sometimes doesn't hesitate to either kill or like, is, or, or is very ready to kill. Like and yes. not from a I need to kill them out of self defense or if, like or, or, yeah like out of self defense but like with this like you were saying with the slaver art yeah I'm gonna deal with the the slavers he's not gonna negotiate with them no it, and that's <laughs> like, like very that's very clear and it's such an important dynamic that is built up over the course of the Clone Wars which and again the brilliant thing about that is that you understand why he would be so angry about the slavers because of Phantom Menace and like his like whole childhood like it like it makes sense why he would be angry about that and and, and that that's an example where like he doesn't get along with Obi-Wan but the way that scene is written it, it makes sense and it fits with like 
but with like their characters and it doesn't like he he's he's being very resistant and dark but he's not you're he's not necessarily being whiny or, or anything like so i think a great example of him of, of a failed interaction between Obi-Wan and Anakin in episode two is actually one of the first scenes where they're going up in an elevator, oh, the elevator yeah. and the dialogue feels super forced. Right. Yeah, the and di- it, 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 it's awkward. And well, and you also get into the, you get the line about like, I've dreamt of pad. This isn't the exact quote, but I've dreamt of padway every day for the last 10 years. Yeah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, and you know, it, it feels like it's it's they're trying to make this a dynamic that just feels forced, you know. And in the Clone Wars, in the Clone Wars, they uh, do a much better job of not forcing the dialogue. It feels a lot more natural. Yes, yes. And again, that would be a Dave Clone Dave Filoni credit for sure. Which um, he's not perfect. By he's the not. Way. Well, he's not. I will say, I think a lot of the stuff with Rebels is. A lot of a lot of Disney wanting a different direction for the show because the moments where Rebels really shines are moments that almost fit more in the Clone Wars than in Rebels. Both in both literally because of some of the characters involved that you can tell they were storylines that he went wanted to finish in the Clone Wars, or just tone wise. Like the big ones I'm thinking of are anything with well anything with like Vader and so or anything with Ahsoka. Period. A lot of the Vader stuff, the Maul, any of the Maul stuff would be literal, and some of the Sabine stuff would fit pretty well in the Clone Wars. Oh, absolutely, um, and that's and that's not to say that Rebels isn't a good show. It is. It, it, it's a good show. It's not great. It's an. I would say it's on the a given episode of Rebels is average to good. It reaches on two or three moments like perfection. Yes, exactly, and those moments have to do with the things that were being tied up in the Clone Wars. And you can yes. see that's with with Dave Filoni. With, with the exception of some of the, like, there's a, Kanan has one or two moments, and Sabine gets one or two that are, like... But in general, yes. Mostly Clone And that's not to Clone say Wars that stuff. these characters aren't really good characters, Kanan no, Hera. They they really are. They're good Ezra, characters. Yeah. No, they're interesting. And Ezra gets some really cool stuff, too. Near the end. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. More near the end. Um, yeah, and I think... I think the Ezra. I think there was a missed opportunity with Ezra that he they could have turned. They could have gone further with to the dark side with him, but that's a whole other tangent. Uh, but anyways, yeah. The yeah back to the Anakin stuff. I'm tra- uh, the other yeah. Just that he, everything just generally feels more natural. The voice actors in general kill it as They're well. Excellent. Um, like, just across the whole on the Clone Wars. Like, the Anakin actor in particular, especially when you get some of those more, like, pain moments where he's, like, in pain or anger. Like, it, he, he really... It, it feels more... It feels, like, more real than... And that's more of a... That's not really a knock on Hayden Christ, A little bit of knock on Hayden Christensen, but more a pro Dave Filoni's writing and pro I forget, oh, I forget the actor the, uh, Anakin's voice actor's name oh um, is it uh his name's Matt I yeah I, um, it, he's really good Matt. though but um oh, one of my other oh and my favorite uh t- this will kind of tie almost a lot of this together actually this will tie all of the topics together a little bit the one of my favorite my favorite Anakin and Obi-Wan or at least like like working together, at least visually visual scene is when they fight Dooku in the Sifo Diaz arc. 
because um, Dooku basically comes to he kills Sylvan so that Sylvan can't talk to Obi Wan or Anakin about like, the clone the clone the clone creation or anything. And then they like have a lightsaber duel, and it's really, really awesome it's because really good. you get both Anakin and Obi Wan working well together, very in sync. Then you also get Dooku, his his more fencing, his more fluid fencing style, and how he's and how he tries to isolate them and uses the like environment to his advantage to, to deal with the two of them at the same time which is brilliant um, it's really well choreographed in the in the clone wars you know yeah yeah like it just just visually it's a really cool fight but it like even the visuals of the fight lend themselves to like the characters uh and kind of their strengths a- absolutely um, it's one of, and that's but as you can see overall we keep referencing back to the clone wars almost as a reference to what the the prequels could have been in yes, a lot of well, ways. Yeah, no, and a lot of it is. Um, yeah, a, a lot of it is. Like, it, and now I, I will, the exception of like a lot of parts of Revenge of the Sith that I really like. But on the whole, a lot of the Clone Wars stuff really is kind of things that the sequels could have done well had George Lucas let. You mean the prequels? Or, the uh, yeah, sorry, yeah, the, the prequels could have done the sequels. Better. That's a whole different. Conversation. Well, yeah, we're not even we're not even touching the sequels just because like it's Star Wars and there's so many cans of worms to be opened up for both fandom reasons and just story reasons that we're not going to go down. But but that's also the fun of it, right? Yes. I mean, that's why I love the Star Wars universe for me more than pretty much anything else because it offers those opportunities for critique, but it's also fun. Well, you know? yeah, and it's it's interesting. That's why um yeah, like I'll, I'll yeah, like they the Star Wars I will say it's my favorite uh yeah, it's probably my it's my favorite movie franchise. I will never argue that it is the best movie franchise no. because there's a lot of continuity issues and like obviously some of the movies are just not good movies. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyways, um I think do you have anything else to say on the Anakin topic? No. No. Okay. I think we did, we, we just still that pretty Almost pretty well. We, we we were we were not as tangent tangenty. That's that's a word now. With and, <laughs> and, uh, anyways, all right. So I think that'll pretty much wrap this up. Uh, yeah. So again, I uh, wanted to change things up a little bit, and of course, go into uh, more of our let my, my Star Wars geekiness show. So Johnny, wait, John. What's, what are you doing? Uh, that's awkward. Um, yeah, we should have, this should have told you about this. This is a betrayal of the highest order. Yeah, I'm feeling a little awkward now. Uh, and um, I'm going to need my mo- moment in the sun. And, um, okay, so, uh, hi, I'm John. Oh, come on! <laughs> <laughs>